I want to take the last few minutes that we have here to jump off on our third installment of Do Not Worry. And, uh, and, and what I want to say, the heart of what I want to say is that when the Lord is doing the work, His yoke is easy, His burden is light. And so when He calls us into His work and we cooperate with that, uh, it lifts worry and anxiety off of us about performing anything special because uh, we're doing what He wants to do already. So let me, let me say a prayer here, just a moment, and then we're going to dive in. We're just going to take 15 or 20 minutes here and we'll wrap up our night. Lord, I thank You in Jesus' name for what you've already done. Holy Spirit, for the work you've already done. And now I pray for distractions to be lifted away. I pray for eyes to see and ears to hear just what you're saying to us tonight. Lord, just a weak vessel, just empty. Nothing good happens here with with what I say unless you say it through me, God. So divide soul and spirit. I, I pray, Father, for a word from heaven tonight. We don't need more information. And so I pray that everyone here would hear this not as a sermon in the last weekend in February 2021. They would hear as a fresh word from heaven today. They would hear you speaking, Lord. Whatever you want to say to them tonight, say it, God. Who's capable of delivering your word? Lord, you have to give it in the first place for it to be given away, Lord. So speak tonight, Father, through your word. I rarely get on series, and three weeks ago, I felt like I had a word that was as heavy on me as any word maybe in the last six months or a year. And it was a simple word. Do not commit the sin of worry. And I, I just, I spoke from my heart as the number one worrier in the room. I was kind of part confession, part what the Lord was teaching me and part what I felt like the Lord wanted to say to you. I recapped that last week. I'm gonna do it again just for fun because I feel like it's just that important. I talked about that worry is a sin. We don't treat it like that very often. We talked about the family tree of sin out of James chapter one, where when our own heart's evil desire meets together with enticement, when those two, when the enticement of sin and our heart's evil desire come together, it births sin. And then sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to something else. Everybody remember what it was? Death. And so there's this family tree, our heart's evil desire where we're dragged away and we're enticed. It comes together. It creates a child called sin. Sin results in death every single time. So when we worry, we're sinning and that always, always, always leads to death. Now, is it going to have the same consequences as the commands previous to that? Don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. Maybe not, but it is having consequences. I'm dealing with the consequences of the sin of worry in my life more than I've realized. And I thought, oh no, I've treated this like it's not a sin. If somebody would say, is worry a sin? Yes, of course it's a sin. I'm not treating it like a sin. Like put it to death by the spirit, get away from sin, flee it. I'm not treating it like that. And that was a conviction in my heart a few weeks ago. We talked about how it was so important. Jesus says it twice in Matthew 6. Don't worry about your life and don't worry about tomorrow. 
the two primary things we're concerned about. What am I going to eat, drink, wear, live, buy, and don't worry about tomorrow. How am I going to survive? What if this falls through? What if it, the, the breakthrough doesn't come? What's the cure to that? I talked about it's a changed heart. Obviously, you give your life to Jesus. He changes your heart. But as a believer, what do we do? Philippians chapter 4, we make our requests known with and the peace of God, that frueo word, guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And peace, guarding that frueo means it protects from hostile invasion in my heart. And the secondary definition is that it protects from the inhabitants of a besieged city taking flight. It protects my heart from invasion of worry, and it protects my mind from taking flight into tomorrow. The peace of God is not syrupy sweet. It's a military word. It stands guard over our hearts and minds. So, week one, how do we stop worrying? By praying, by making our requests known in every situation with thanksgiving. Week two, I, I talked about what worry keeps us from. Ultimately, worry keeps us from the glory that God deserves for our life because it puts a cap on us and we don't flow in the spirit and in our giftings as we're meant to flow. We talked about the, the Greek word megas, Charis, mega grace, great grace was upon the church. And the only two times that's used in the New Testament is around the church walking in great grace. And then in James chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 5, where it says God gives great grace to the humble. Why was there so much grace on the church in the book of Acts? Because they were walking in humility before the Lord. What does that mean? What does humility look like? Well, 1 Peter chapter 5 says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, comma, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. How do I, wa how do I walk in humility? <clears throat> and how do we walk in humility as a church? By casting our cares on him. That's what it looks like. God, I'm worried today in the noon hour about this afternoon. I'm worried today on Wednesday about Thursday, and I'm not made to carry that weight. It actually makes me funky, and it, and, it, and it twists me out of place to where I don't act normal, the normal Christian life. My bike tire is not aired up, so I'm trying to ride, but this heavy weight of worry is making the bike go slow, and I feel every rock <clears throat> on the road. Yeah, that would be great. Worry is like a weight. And when we cast our cares, and it's not like lay it down, it's like throw it violently away. We cast our cares away from us, and it lightens us up. You're supposed to tell a joke before you do that, public speaking, because then it gives a break for you to... One, two, three. See how smooth, see? Revival, I said at the end of that sermon, is for one type of person and one type of person only. God dwells in a high and lofty place, Isaiah 57, and also with the one who is lowly and contrite to revive the heart of the lowly, to revive the spirit of the contrite. You know, revival only comes to humble people, only no prideful person ever gets revival. It's true when we initially accept Christ and salvation and say, yes, I humble myself and call out. And it's true every step of the way. As you receive Christ Jesus as Lord in humility, so walk in him. God revives us when we get on our knees and when we cast our cares away and say, I can't do it on my own. 
Only for those who make themselves low, revival comes. So week one, we talked about how worry is lifted off by praying. Week two, worry is lifted off by casting. Week three, tonight, this week, part three, worry is cast off by entrusting, by trusting his ability and his goodness right now, by trusting that he is working right now. And my work, yes, I am working, but it becomes underneath the umbrella of his work. And so what he's doing, I simply take part in that work. I say, yes, Lord, what are you doing today? What are you doing this week? What are you doing in this season of life? I want to cooperate with that. And it lifts worry because we're no longer in charge of coming up with the game plan. He's got the game plan. He just wants you to cooperate. Remember John 5, 17? I love this. My father is always working. You know, we're made in his image and we've heard it said before, Adam was a worker before he fell because God has appointed work. Why? Because we're made in his image. God works. God's a worker, a hard worker. And so we work. And Jesus says, my father is always working. He's never sleeping. And I too am at work even today, even right now, Jesus says. I am doing work right now. And Jesus is almost like, it's a little, it's a slight invitation. He's like, do you sense it? Do you want in on it? You want to cooperate with me in this work? You can or you can't. It's up to you. But what I'm doing, Jesus says, is I'm cooperating with the Father in his work. You ever notice how Jesus was always at the right place at the right time? Always. Always, always, he was just showing up and he just happened to be there in Luke 7 when the, when the, when the widow's son died and there, there's this funeral procession coming out of town. Jesus just happened to be walking up to Nain at that point. He stops the briar and they, they all stop and he raises this boy, her only son, from the dead. He, he gets out of the boat on the other side of the sea and here comes the demoniac. He just happens to be there. And Jesus just happens to set him free and he sends him to the Decapolis and it changes everything. Philip just was doing this huge work of revival in Samaria and the Holy Spirit moved him doing the Father's work. And he said, take this road, take this road. And he takes the road and there's one Ethiopian eunuch who is the treasurer, right? And he just happens to be there and he happens to be reading Isaiah and he happens to interpret and he happens to baptize him and he changes the whole nation after that. You know, being a part of the Lord's work to the human mind looks ridiculous. It looks like you have sometimes no self-discipline or no ability to pre-plan or make wise decisions for yourself. Sometimes it takes a little bit of dying to yourself to walk in the Lord's way because you have to deal with some ridicule. Not necessarily from the world, but sometimes from well-meaning friends and family in the church even. That's hard, yeah? Why would you live here and do that? Why would you not buy that? Why would you spend your time doing this? Why would you not just do? And you're like, yeah. And the number one attack comes from where? Right here. My own self saying, why are you doing what you're doing? This is silly. Think about the future. Okay, so I'm reading in my utmost for his highest. And he says this. 
This was uh, yesterday, I think. John 4, 11. The woman said to him, Jesus just happened to be at the right place, at the right time. Because the Lord knew the woman was coming. Jesus, I believe, fully as a man, laid down his deity. I don't think he had, like, I don't think he was walking in his deity knowing the woman was going to be there. I think he was a man following the Lord's prompting. And the Lord knew, and he followed that prompting to that well in the heat of the day, and here she comes. And the woman in John 4 says, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. And Oswald says it this way. We think his ideals, we have that, maybe, I'm just going to read it. We think his ideals are lofty and they impress us. But we believe that he, Jesus, is not really in touch with reality. That what he says cannot actually be done. Each of us thinks this about Jesus in one area of our life or another. These doubts and these misgivings about Jesus begin as we consider, like Eve did, consider questions, did God really say, that divert our focus away from God. While we talk of our dealings with him, others ask, well, where are you going to get enough money to live? How will you live and who will take care of you? Our misgivings begin with ourselves when we tell Jesus that our circumstances are just a little too difficult for him. We say, it's easy to say, trust the Lord, but come on, common sense, a person has to live. And besides, Jesus has nothing with which to draw water, no means to be able to give us these things. And beware of exhibiting religious deceit by saying, oh, I have no misgivings about Jesus, only about myself. This one hit hard for me. Oh no, Jesus, I completely trust him. I just don't trust myself. If we're honest though, we will admit that we never have misgivings or doubt about ourselves because we know exactly what we're capable of or incapable of doing. But we do have misgivings about Jesus. And our pride is hurt even at the thought that he can do what we can't. You don't have a bucket. And also, the math has told me, the well is deep. I don't see in my rational mind how you can provide for me what I need in this moment. And Jesus says, oh, I have buckets you don't know about. And I know exactly the depths of your soul. I know exactly what you need right now in this moment. But do you trust me? that I am doing what the Father is doing. And we cooperate with that work. Psalms 57.2 is one of my favorite passages. And there's several different, uh, there's several different translations that kind of tease the definition out a little bit for us. 57.2, sorry, I said that backwards. 57.2, I cry out to God, most high, to God, and NIV says, who vindicates me, But Amplified said this this way, I cry out to God most high who accomplishes all things on my behalf. I cry out to God who accomplishes all things on my behalf for he completes his or my purposes in his plan. He's the one that does the work. ESV says, I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purposes for me. 
And the Bishop's Bible in 1568, this beautiful old translation says, I cry out to God most high for he will perform the cause which I hold in my hand. Love that. The Geneva Bible in another old translation says, I cry out to God most high who performeth his promise towards me. See, we're doing our work, yes, but God's doing his work and he wants us to cooperate. And we don't necessarily have to always do that, but he's drawing us deeper. He's drawing us deeper. So a couple more passages here. Isaiah chapter 26, Lord, and verse 12, Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Look, isn't that great? All that we have accomplished, you're the one that did it. Remember with me the Philippians chapter two passage. You work out your what? Salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purposes for you. Am I working or is God working? Yes, absolutely. You work out what God is working in right now. This is a co-laboring relationship with Christ. Anyone who has become one with Christ is one with him in spirit. There is a working together to fulfill that. We're cooperating with him. Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you've done. You're the one. You get the credit. And look at this, Isaiah 64, one of my all-time favorite passages. Isaiah 64, 4. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, And no eye has seen any God beside you who works or who acts on behalf of those who wait for him, who gladly wait for him. God's a worker. He's working right now. He's actually doing work that you want to do in your inner man. And he's actually doing work that when you say yes to his work and you step out in the razor edge life of faith where you could look like a fool, but you do it anyway, you just step out in faith. When you do that, there's this release of anxiety and worry. And you're entrusting yourself to the one who's working for you. It's been said, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. Who do you want working on your behalf? I want God working on my behalf. He moves nations when I pray. He moves communities when I pray. He moves men and women when I pray. I want him working on my behalf. That's the way to go. Everything that we do, he accomplishes. So God is flowing through us. We'll finish with this. God is bringing heaven to earth. His kingdom is coming to earth in this very moment. It is not coming to earth tomorrow. We are not there. Will it? Yes, it will. But where am I meeting God coming to earth in a powerful way? Right now, in this moment. I compare it to the needle on the old phonograph or the old, the old record players. The only way I get sound out of that record player is I have to have the needle right there touching that vinyl. If it's not touching, there's no music, right? And so if I want the music of heaven flowing through me, I have to be abiding right now, just like Jesus was. He's just moving where the Father moved, saying what he said, doing what he saw him doing. That's it. That's all we did earlier, by the way. There was no grand plan to come in here, Brian, and we worked it all out ahead of time, and, and we had this, Lizzie had a word, and we just, we, Luke had the songs just perfect, and Matt said, who was doing all of that? Holy Spirit, what do we have to do? We just gave him some room. 
We just said, hey, we're going to pause right here on this needle point, on this vinyl. We're going to say, music of heaven, come. Wasn't that sweet, everybody? It was super sweet. God's alive. He's speaking today. He's healing today. He wants to do that through you tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday. Every day this next week, he wants to live out through you. He will perform the cause I hold in my hand right now. You can only hold so many things in your hand at once. He's going to perform that cause right now. The key is our ability, our availability, and our cooperation with God's work. Are you available for him to do his work through you right now? And are you going to cooperate with his work? Or are you going to do a noble thing for God that seems like something you ought to do? Because I'm telling you, that is the enemy. It is not an enemy for, for me to go leave my wife and family and chase a life of sin. But what is the enemy is to take my best ideas and my human wisdom and substitute them for God's will in my life right now. You know what happens when I do that? When we, when we get our own ideas and our own wisdom, we ought to do this because the burden gets heavy. It's a burden that we get burned out. But man, when I'm doing it God's way, man, I just got life and freedom. It's just exploding through me. And you know what that's like. Key for us, and I'm gonna leave you with this. How do we do this? Get alone with God Almighty. Get, Jesus set us the example. How did he know what the Father was doing? Well, he heard his whispers. He just, he sensed him. He knew his heart. He was moved like a really good horse's move when the bridle is just laid on his neck. There's no jerking, there's no pulling back and forth. We just know the Lord's heart and we're moved with him. Get alone with God. Jesus said, when you pray, what do you do? Go into your room, close the door and pray. Be alone. I want to encourage you all to go into that secret place. Get to know his heart and his life. Alone, you might accomplish less outwardly. There might be less outward visible work, but your work has a depth and a power to it. And the Lord will release mighty and wonderful things. Had coffee this morning with my dear brother, Josh Engel. He and Stacy sold their house by faith in Goddard. They decided to go to the Czech Republic. They wanted to um, serve as missionaries. They felt the Lord calling them there. They get all geared up, sell their house, no plan B, four kids. COVID shut down. No traveling. Oh my, what do we do now? What's the plan, Lord? And Lord, through, through a series of events, opens up a relationship with YWAM, opens up a relationship to go to the Dominican Republic. They just got back from 60 days. And there's like 850 people they ministered to. Dozens of people came to faith. Dozens of people healed. It was powerful, powerful, powerful. Awesome. One pastor was about to quit. They pray. The pastor has a change of heart, stays on task it's just amazing. He's told me all these stories. I'm asking him, he's told me all these stories. And then he says, yeah, but we got to make a decision by March 15th. Are we going to go to Louisiana? We're going to go to Texas. We're going to stay here. I, I don't know what we're going to do. Or I'm feeling a little worried about it. He's like, I'm feeling a little worried. I don't have a house. I got my wife and kids. They stayed in a one bedroom place in the Dominican Republic for 60 days with their wife and four kids in one bedroom the whole time. God bless them. What are we going to do? We don't know the future. It's kind of ridiculous for me as a grown man. He's in his mid-30s with four kids. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea. 
And I'm like, dude, do you hear what's going on in your life? You have nothing to worry about. You're on the razor's edge of a life of faith in God. There is no looking back. He will take care of you and you will not miss it. Do you see how much fruit is coming from your life just by being right there in that present moment, brother? I was just encouraging him today. I'm like, dude, it's gonna be really good. I promise, don't worry about March. You just get alone with him. They're gonna IHOP. They're just gonna soak in his presence for a few days and ask the Lord what he's doing. It's gonna be so good. There's nothing to fear. And I wanna say the same thing to you. There is nothing to fear about tomorrow. You just cooperate with the Lord's work today. You do what he's doing today and there's tons of fruit that's gonna come through you. You just abide there. So don't worry. If you're struggling worrying, pray on all occasions with thanksgiving. The peace of God will guard your hearts. As you're thinking about the worries and anxieties of the day, cast them as far as you can away. Pick up a rock and throw it and say, that's my worry, I'm casting it away. And then thirdly, cooperate with what the Lord's doing today in your life. And that's a life of freedom, childlike freedom, childlike faith. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Let's stand up, guys. Stand up. Mm, We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for your word that changes our minds. There's really no risk taking in a life of faith because you're good. It looks like we're taking a risk, but really we're just walking with you in a life of faith. There's no risk. We just entrust ourselves to you. And I'm praying that you would release us as a body from worry. And I pray that you would uncork the saints in Jesus' name. Every one of us, Lord, free from fear. I pray that we would live and walk as we were meant to live and walk. I pray that we would function out from underneath that burden. We'd, we'd function as free sons and daughters, Lord. And the gifts would flow. The Holy Spirit would flow. I pray for the right place at the right time opportunities for my brothers and sisters. I pray for eyes to see it and ears to hear it. What are you saying this week? What are you doing? We just want to cooperate with you, God. I pray for divine appointments this week. We would not fear anything. We just say yes to you and what you're doing. We say, Lord, we're just a living sacrifice. Do with our lives what you want. Raise us up or humble us, but glorify yourself through us, Lord. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. Just if you would, I just want you guys to agree with me, if you would, from your heart. Just agree with the Lord that his will would be done in your life. Even if you look foolish, just agree with me, if you would. Lord, your will be done. Even if it looks like I'm lacking common sense, I want to know what you're doing. I'm telling you, God's after fruit. God loves hard workers in the kingdom. He loves hard workers, but he wants you to work with him. With him. He's not looking for slaves. He's looking for sons that work with him in his house. So Lord, we want to work with you this week. We want to walk under your yoke that's easy and your burden that's light. Freedom in Jesus' name. I just proclaim that over all of us. Freedom in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.